This podcast contains graphic descriptions that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. All right, now, with that being said, welcome to the Mortal Musings Podcast. Okay. So do you know something I realized today? What's that? So there's something I've noticed. If anyone else does it to me, I hate it. Like, I get so angry. But then I feel it's all right for me to do to other people. I don't know if you're going to agree with me or not. Probably so, dick move that, but go on. So we were in the supermarket. Yeah. And I was, st- I can't remember what I was, to say I was stood looking at mints. Okay. I'm clearly stood there. Yes. Thinking, do I get it? And a woman came over and just walked right up at the side of me and put her arm over my shoulder and grabbed a pack of mints. Nah, fuck that. And I thought, you ignorant bitch, fucking wait your turn. Yes. But I'd do it to someone else. No, I would never do that to someone. I would. It would see you're an ignorant bastard. But I was so incest. 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 Incensed. Incensed, even. By it. Yeah. I wanted Uh, to put her head through the fucking shelf. I would not do that. You wait your turn. That's how I feel. I can't be the only one who I'm sure there's plenty gets angry people. at it, but would clearly like they'd just do it themselves. You're the type of person that in a city walks at your own pace. You don't follow a city pace, and then you What's get. That, what, 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 hang on. What? When you're <laughs> when you're in a city, yeah, yeah, you don't just stroll around. You keep up. Like if you're in a city centre, you keep up a certain pace. Keep I walk it faster than you. You cunt. Bollocks. The amount of times we've been in city centre and you're like, fucking relax, slow down, calm down. It's like, just because yours wouldn't stroll last around time doesn't we mean walked, someone else. Last time we walked through Dublin city centre, I nearly died to a bird. Fuck me, that was brilliant. <laughs> that was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. The wingspan on that was like a fucking bald eagle. That Right, so what happened was a seagull flew down and like, <laughs> just kind of like... It, it didn't fly down. No, it swooped down and it kind of just stayed stationary in the no, air. No, it was just stood on the footpath and we walked round the corner and it opened its wings at me. No, it went up. I'm, well, are you thinking of another time? I don't think it happened twice to me. <laughs> Fuck it. It was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So anyway, it kind of, it definitely went up in the air because it was like right by our faces. All I saw was wings. Wait, like, it was <laughs> It was right by her faces and I kind of did that like, oh shit, you know, you kind of lean back a bit, something's in your face. Whereas Neil, on the other hand, <laughs> Top lean, <of> lungs. <laughs> lean back, like went into like boxer stance to guard himself and went, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, and I got a dirty shit. look from that family because they've yes, got kids. Yes, because you swore, yeah. But that was their choice, not yours. Right, so we're on part two. Yes, we are on part two. We'll quickly move on to... <laughs> Part two of uh, Sid Vicious, not the wrestler. If you're here for the wrestler, it's you're in the wrong not. place. It's for a British I'm sorry. Um, rock star. Br- a British, yeah, British. He was the bass player in the Sex Pistols. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I'm more interested in Nancy. Nancy's. I, I'm, I'm liking that character. Nancy's great crack. It's not a character, is it? <laughs> Fucking person. <laughs> Yeah, but I suppose for you, you're sat here listening to the story. Yeah, so it's a fucking character, yeah. 
very strong character. Yeah. So we'll do a quick sum up of last week's episode. Neil? Because my memory's not. I was just about to say, Neil, do you want to give any details that you remember? Uh, so your one nearly died at birth with cord round neck. She went purple and got a disease. Yeah. Um, Oxygen de- deprivation of birth, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she She's sex worker. She's moved to New York at 17. Yes. Um, what else do I remember about her? Oh, she threatened to lamp a therapist. Yeah, um, allegedly. She was expelled from school at 12? 11. Ele- fucking hell. <laughs> 11. Um, well, you'd shame, wouldn't you? And then him, uh, his dad died. Oh, no, his dad's abandoned. He, he, did, he didn't show up to a, a beefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the mother remarried. Yeah. And then... The stepdad croaked it six yeah. months later. He kicked the bucket. Uh, the, she she went on to heroin, the mother. Yeah. Uh, they started a band called the Four Johnnies. No, that's what their friend group was called. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, you're, getting, you're getting a lot. I didn't think you'd remember as much. Um, I'm going dizzy with all this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. So to sum up, Sid didn't have the best start in life, you know. His mother was addicted to drugs. He got kicked out of the house at 16 years of age. He would end up joining the Sex Pistols after their original bassist had left. And Nancy... Oh, yeah, because he liked the Beatles. They kicked him out because he liked the Beatles. Uh, yeah, that, that was the claim that he was kicked out because he liked the Beatles, whereas Matlock claims that it was nothing to do with that and it was to do with the fact that he was sick of putting up with the bullshit involved. Okay. And as for Nancy's backstory, yeah, she had a, a difficult life. Um, like you said, there was some difficulties during the delivery. Labor. So right from the get-go. Um, troubles in school. Um, she moved to New York when she was very young and. After New York, remember she then travelled to London Oh yeah, with the Heartbreakers. Yeah. So, yeah, Nancy is now in London and it's 1977 and she would soon meet Sid Vicious. So, initially, Nancy was actually interested in Johnny Rotten. Oh. Yeah. Why? Maybe it was because he was the lead singer. Because his surname describes him. <laughs> he is. He's fucking rotten. Anyway, Nancy was interested in Johnny Rotten, but after he made it clear that he was not interested in her... Sorry, you just looked at me like that. Would you smoke the second half of his cigarette? <laughs> what the fuck? I didn't realise that was funny. I don't know if that's going to stay in, but definitely for an outtake or something. So you're not going to answer? But after he made it clear that he was not interested in her, Nancy would then set her sights on Sid Vicious. The two would become inseparable. However, the other members of the Sex Pistols were not her biggest fans. Johnny Rotten said about their relationship, We did everything to get rid of Nancy. She was killing him. I was absolutely convinced this girl was on a slow suicide mission. Only she didn't want to go alone. She wanted to take Sid with her. So this is a bit of a... Cleopatra, Mark Antony sort of thing. 
I don't know much about that, if I'm honest with you. So, sure. Wasn't she manipulating him to kind of get power? Was that what was the situation there? She put out a false message, but she'd... It was after Caesar died. So she went to use Mark Anthony to kind of get more power in Rome. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. So that she, she had a message sent out to Mark Anthony saying she'd committed suicide when she hadn't. And then he took his life thinking she was gone. So you're, you're, well, you're getting, a, getting a bit of history lesson here, lads. I think that's what it was. Not oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out of the game for, for a bit, but I think, I think that's what it was. Right, we're getting back to Sid and Nancy. Okay. The media was very critical of Nancy as well, dubbing her nauseating Nancy. I don't know what their fucking problem is really, but there you go. So the band's manager, Malcolm McLaren, said that he tried to get her separate from Sid to get her back on a plane to New York. Um, like, I mean, trying to basically kidnap her and get her away. Like it was, Oh, really? Yeah, it was basically like, we're going to separate them, we're going to get her and get her out of here kind of thing. It was fucked but up. She, she was on drugs? Yes. Offer her money. Offer, offer, if, if they really wanted it, they could have. Well, like I said, to do with this whole situation, I, I don't doubt Nancy was very strong, very opinionated. Yeah. Whether she was right or wrong, she probably stuck to it and that was it. Yeah. But I find it very off-putting when it's a whole gang of people just like, she did it, she's wrong, she did it. Like, you do see that a lot where it's like, this woman has come into this man's life and she's the source of all issues. And it's like, yeah, but is she though? Is she, you know what I mean? Like, come on. So they even went as far as banning Nancy from their 1978 US tour. And as you can imagine, Sid was less than pleased with this decision. His behaviour deteriorated even further. And on the 8th of January, Sid hit a member of the audience over the head with his bass. On the 10th of January... It's rock and roll. I mean, that's the thing. Like, people did, they, they see all this shit and they're like, oh my God, it's so fucking cool. And it's like, well, no, actually, like, if you look behind the scenes, there's usually some shit going yeah. on. Heavy drug use, what have you. It's the same with hotel rooms. You know, when they, they think it's rock and roll to smash the fuck out of a fucking hotel room and throw the TV out of a window. When yeah. it's, they're mentally unstable. Yeah. It's not rock and roll. They're fucked. Yeah. So on the 10th of January, before their show in Dallas, Sid carved the words, give me a fix, into his chest with a razor. That'd do it. (laughs) And this tour would be the end of the group. Oh, really? Yeah. So again, like Sex Pistols, like, because they're so iconic, you think, oh, they were going for years, whatever. No, they weren't. They weren't actually together that long. Um, I think I knew that. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if you look at it, you know, they were... Both on drugs at the time. Yeah. They were trying to kind of keep Sid off them. They were trying to separate him from Nancy because they all assumed she's the problem. Yeah. She's making him worse. But because he was separate from her, he was so codependent mm. in that relationship that it just made everything a hell of a lot worse. After this, Sid was hospitalized in New York following an overdose. And once Sid was discharged from the hospital, he was able to meet back up with Nancy. And I'm sure he was delighted. Yeah. People seem to believe that Nancy was a bad influence on Sid and that he didn't start using heroin until he met her. But in an interview with Enemy in 77, Sid said, 
Them using Nancy's a scapegoat for my problems. Ha, I've been doing every fucking thing they reckon she turned me on to two years before I even met her. I believe that. There's, there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of backstory. And then you, you think about his mother. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's true, obviously, but uh, there is a story about him receiving drugs from his mother. Um, again, whether that's true or it's she had drugs there and he took them. I don't See, know. See, if that is true, it's not, it's not shocking. You know, he was around drugs as a toddler. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Regardless of whether Sid was using before or after his relationship with Nancy began, the two of them had a very codependent and abusive relationship that was fueled by drugs. That's, we know this, you know, that, that was the situation. Um, this, this is just something I wanted to include. Thought it was a little interesting bit. Okay. There's a list that uh, Sid wrote and it's his favourite things about Nancy. Yeah. It's titled, What Makes Nancy So Great by Sydney. 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 Okay. Number one, beautiful. Number two, sexy. Number three, beautiful figure. Number four, great sense of humor. Number five, makes extremely interesting conversation. Number six, witty. Number seven, has beautiful eyes. Number eight, has fab taste in clothes. Number nine, are you ready for this one? <laughs> so far, it's kind of cute and sweet and ah, oh, bless him. Yeah? I want to make a guess. <laughs> Go on. Tight snatch. <laughs> no. no? You're not far off. Okay. Okay. I can't even say this. <laughs> it can't be worse than what I it's, just It's guessed. not really bad. It's just because I've just said that now, it's like hard for me to get the words out. Okay. Number nine has the most beautiful wet pussy in the world. Ah, oh, jeez, he's a fucking poet, isn't he? That's beautiful, that is. Number ten even has sexy feet. It's nothing. But... Number eleven is extremely smart. Number twelve, a great hustler. The wet puss is kind of just thrown. It's like shoehorned yeah. into there, isn't it? <laughs> all the other ones are all right. Like I didn't want to be crude, but I knew that's where yeah, it was going. I know. I mean, I was shook reading it. I didn't know where to look. I was like, oh, Jesus, isn't he lovely? He's a very sweet young boy. And then it's like, what? You what? So on the other side of him writing this little list of all the things he loves about her, kind of this cutesy little So Sorry, when you got to that one, mm-hmm. was you like in the cartoon where you rubbed your eyes and looked yeah. at it again? Yeah. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? But yeah, no, like that is kind of, that was kind of like a cutesy couple thing that he probably did for her. Just it, And it was supposed to be just between them. Exactly. Yeah. But on the other side of him writing cutesy little notes about her, there's situations like this. While they were staying at the Bayswater Ambassador Hotel, already aggravated by alcohol and a heated phone call, Sid attempted to throw himself out of a three-story window in a suicide attempt. Nancy managed to grab him by his belt and pull him back in. Jesus. Yeah. Once he was back inside, Sid became infuriated again. He grabbed Nancy by the hair and repeatedly rammed her head into the wall. He stopped just before she lost consciousness. Her blood was running down the wall, and after this, he just broke down into tears. So. It's drugs. 
Yeah, it, it's like, so up, it's so down. Yeah. They can't live with each other, can't live without, you know, yeah. that type of shit. So in April 78, Sid and Nancy travelled to Paris to film The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. And production was difficult, to say the least. Sid seemed to be more preoccupied with drugs. On one of the days they did manage to get Sid, uh, on one of the days that they did manage to get Sid working with them, they came back to find that Nancy had cut her wrists. Right. Director Julian Temple said she cut her wrists, there was blood all over the bed, and she'd faked up a suicide attempt to really make Sid feel like he shouldn't leave her, even for a few hours to do any filming. After returning to London, the two were in need of money in order to travel to New York. Sid met up with the previous Sex Pistols bassist, Glenn Matlock. You know, the one who loved the Beatles. Yeah. Bastard. <laughs> they performed as a group, and the group was called Vicious White Kids, and that was in Camden on the 15th of August. Sid was the lead vocals. Nancy sang backup. Okay. Was she a good singer? No. <laughs> <laughs> So Nancy sang backup, but apparently after hearing Nancy singing during rehearsals, Matlock made sure her mic was unplugged before the show. <laughs> <laughs> so was she eye candy? Was she was she good looking? I'll show you a picture of Nancy. That's Sid and Nancy right there. There they are now, great bunch of lads. You'd have a look through a few of them there. The only reason why I asked is, you know, because in in that trick of the trade, they'll they'll have someone Sex sells. Yeah. So they'll have the mic unplugged, but they've got someone good looking. Well the thing about it is at this stage Nancy was basically his manager. You know, they'd left yeah. he'd left the sex pistols. It was them two on their own, doing their own thing. Yeah. So now that they had a bit of money after doing that gig, the pair flew to New York and while there the couple lived in the Chelsea Hotel in Manhattan. And by this stage, like I just mentioned, uh, Nancy was Sid's manager. Nancy would set up gigs for Sid at Max's Kansas City. And yeah, they were just kind of doing their own thing in this hotel. And that was until the morning of the 12th of October, 1978. Guests at the Chelsea Hotel reported hearing female moans coming from room 100, Sid and Nancy's room. Oh. Nancy was found slumped on the floor of the bathroom between the toilet and the sink in her hotel room. And she'd been stabbed in the abdomen. Oh, Sid. You don't know it was Sid. Cheek. Well, the episode is Sid and Nancy. And Nancy's now been gutted. So the night before... Detective Columbo, I am. Debunked. <laughs> the night before, Sid and Nancy had friends of theirs over where it was said there was heavy drug use that night, in which Sid was said to have consumed over 30 2-in-all tablets. At about 10am that morning... Sid called the reception for help. The coroner determined that Nancy had bled to death following the stabbing. It was rumoured that Nancy had been stabbed with a 007 hunting knife, a knife that Sid owned, but according to police, it was actually a Jaguar Wildness K11 knife. Did Sid own one of them? There's conflicting reports with things like that. Okay. By the time police arrived, Sid was roaming around the hallways saying something about how he had killed her. Sid was arrested and charged with second-degree murder. Later, while talking to police, Sid retracted his statement that he had killed Nancy and said he didn't actually remember anything from that night and that he was asleep when the murder happened. 
A week later, Sid attempted suicide by cutting his wrist with a smashed light bulb. He was quoted, I want to join Nancy and keep up my end of the pact. Yes, so it's guilt. Like, he'll still miss her, but it's guilt as well. Well, the thing about him being asleep, if he has consumed 30 of those tablets, there's no way he was awake if he had. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sid was then sent to Bellevue Hospital for psychiatric treatment. Sid was subsequently released on $50,000 bail, which was posted by his record label Virgin Records. His bail had three conditions. Report daily to a methadone clinic by 2pm. Report daily to homicide zone officers by 1pm. And not to leave New York City. After his release on the 26th of November, Sid was now in the care of his mother. So, during this time, a lot of shit's gone down. Everything's up on the air. Sid's out on bail. Yeah. Still don't know the full story of what happened to Nancy. Yeah. McLaren, at this time, would then sell t-shirts printed with She's dead, I'm alive, I'm yours. What? Yeah, so apparently that was to raise money for his case and everything. But fucking hell. Yeah. Sid would begin dating again and had a few casual relationships after his release. His freedom was short-lived, though. On the 5th of December, while at Haran nightclub, Sid assaulted Todd Smith. And he is also the brother of Paddy Smith. Should I know who Paddy Smith is? She's pretty well known, yeah. But you didn't know who Sid Vicious was. Sid smashed a beer bottle and pressed it to Todd's face, which resulted in Todd needing five stitches. The altercation was a result of Sid flirting with Todd's girlfriend, and when she told him to back off and he didn't, Todd intervened. Sid was arrested again and charged with the assault on Todd Smith. This time, Sid was sent to Rikers Island for 55 days. And while he was there, he would have to undergo detoxification. Yeah. Now, on the 1st of February... 1979, Sid was released on a $10,000 bail, as well as reduced conditions to his bail. Virgin Records continued to pay Sid's legal fees. Although I'm not quite sure where this came about or why, Johnny Rotten claims that it was actually Mick Jagger who paid for Sid's bail. Oh. I, I, I don't know if there's any truth to that or if that's just kind of... Just throwing an jo- A-list celebrity's name out there. To- Johnny Rotten seems to talk a lot. Yeah. So I, d- I, d- I don't really, you know. Well, he, he were always smacked off his tits as well, so. Well, hey, look, I wasn't there. I don't know. <laughs> so one of the first things Sid sought out after his release was, you guessed it. Drugs. Drugs. Sid asked one of his friends, Peter Gravel, to supply him. That night, Sid, along with his mother, met up with friends at the apartment of Michelle Robinson. Gravel bought $200 worth of heroin that Sid had requested. It was said that that night consisted of them hanging out, talking, and using drugs. That night, only four months after the murder of Nancy, Sid died of an overdose. Sid's mother, along with Robinson, found his body the following morning. Sid's mother, Anne, claimed that she found a suicide note in the pocket of his jacket that read, We had a death pack, and I have to keep my half of the bargain. Please bury me next to my baby in my leather jacket, jeans and motorcycle boots. Goodbye. Now, as described in the suicide note, Sid wanted to be buried with Nancy. Nancy was Jewish. 
and she was buried in a Jewish cemetery. Yeah. And it was not possible for there to be an interfaith burial. So Sid was cremated and it was said that his mother spread his ashes over Nancy's grave despite her mother's objections. Okay. They're not fucking great, but I mean, whatever. Not for me to say. Um, I'm not against that. <laughs> no, like, they, you know, they both had this pact. But did they, though? Well, we've only got his word Was for that, it. What, is that his word? Does it matter if they spread his ashes over a grave? Really? I mean, you can say that, but I Who's mean... Who's it hurting? That's going against the mother's wishes. Yeah, I mean, agree to disagree. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The medical examiner estimated that the heroin Sid overdosed on was roughly 80% pure. Gravel, that was his friend who had supplied him. Yeah. He had left that night at around 3am and he says he doesn't feel guilty anymore. If he hadn't got it from me, he would have probably got it from someplace else. Yeah. Sid took a lot of chances, but he was too young to die. I never expected him to die. How old was he? Sid was 21 years old. It's rough going. So, because Sid died before he could stand trial for the murder of Nancy, the NYPD closed the case. So there's actually never been any conclusion to what happened there. We still don't know the actual sus with the murder of Nancy. Just kind of got forgotten about. Same way she was kind of talked about and stuff, and the same with her murder. She kind of just brushed to the side. Yeah. Fuck that. Let's forget about it. It's just, it's really fucking shitty. Sid still remains as the main suspect. But there are multiple theories as to who and why. And to this day, the question still remains of who actually killed Nancy. So obviously Sid is one theory. But why? Was it drug-induced act of rage? Or was it actually a botched suicide pact? Um, another... One of the other stories that Sid gave was that he did kill her, but he didn't mean to, saying that she fell on the knife. Okay. Which, that doesn't sound good, but again, like, if they had been fighting on drugs, if she had lunged, uh, you know, we'll never know, you know? Could it have been one of the drug dealers that was frequently visiting their hotel room? And deal gone wrong. Exactly. Or maybe one of the many people who were in and out of the room during the various parties. Yeah. And even if it had been Sid's knife that was used, again, drug dealers, party goes in and out, like, who's to say they couldn't have seen it, picked it up, you know? Yeah. Maybe it was the result of a confrontation, as it was said, there was a large sum of money also missing from their room. Oh. Hmm. One person whose name gets brought up a lot is an actor and a comedian, Michael Mora. And he had worked for Sid as his bodyguard and was also one of their dealers. He was there the night of Nancy's murder. There were reports that he confessed to the murder within his group of friends. Some of them believed him and thought he was telling the truth. Yeah. Others were like, ah, he's just telling stories for attention. He's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's just acting in Egypt. Uh, some people believe that Nancy stabbed herself. Now, okay. again, like some people have said, oh, well, she would do stuff for attention, like that director. Um, but if she stabbed herself, where's the knife? Mm. So that's, that's ruled out. Yeah. 
Columbo was on it again, look. Debunked. There's also some speculation surrounding Sid's death. I personally am very skeptical about his death as well. Okay. Peter Gravel told the mirror, not only did Sid's mother Anne buy him the fatal dose of heroin, she also administered it. Oh. Yeah. There are also claims that she did this to save him from going to prison. She, she didn't think he would survive it. She didn't think, you know. Alan Parker, who was a friend of Anne, alleges that in 1996, on her deathbed, Anne confessed to the murder of her son. This is something that Alan Parker states in his film, Who Killed Nancy? Teddy Dallin, who was the band's Norwegian translator, also echoed Gravel's thoughts, saying, The rest of the heroin was given to Anne, so that Sid didn't take any more. Anne was a heroin addict herself, but she had cleaned up. Yeah. So, according to a few people, she had the heroin. It was in her possession. It was to save Sid from himself type of thing. Yeah. There are so many different stories and opinions as to what happened to both Sid and Nancy. Um, can I just ask the, the yeah. suicide note? Because I remember when you said that, you said she apparently found. So does that mean there's no evidence of this letter? I don't believe he wrote that note. Oh, that's what I was going to say. It, like, uh, I don't know handwriting analysis. Uh, what do they it's, call them? Handwriting? Yeah, handwriting analysis. Yeah. yeah. Look, this is just my opinion on it. I don't believe he wrote that note. Okay. I think it kind of seems to kind of link up nicely that he got out, he overdosed, there was a note already in his pocket. Yeah. I, I, I don't really buy it myself, but who the fuck am I? Yeah, why would she be going through his pockets? I just think, I think the whole thing, you know, with Nancy's murder and Sid's overdose, the whole thing is very sus. Yeah. And there are so many stories and different opinions as to what actually happened to both Sid and Nancy. We're now over 40 years later. We still don't know. We probably never will. I don't know. We said that about Tupac. (laughs) You know? But regardless of this, I think something that we need to remember is that after difficult childhoods, drug abuse, self-harm, an abusive relationship, I mean, the story ultimately ends with the death of a 20 and 21-year-old. Yeah. They were so young, and I think people forget that. And the story gets romanticised so much. Yeah. And it really pisses me off. So I wonder if, if it had made a difference if, before it got too late, they'd have put themselves in rehabs separately. Yeah. Um, so they were fully clean. It's a hard one as well, because like obviously now there's a lot more options to get help. Um, but also not just not just that they had less options but look at the scene they're in punk scene yeah. in London and New York it was everywhere yeah. it was all around you it wasn't just them you know but yeah no it is something that really really gets to me like so you have Travis Barker and Courtney Kardashian they dressed up as Sid and Nancy for Halloween in 21 I think it was and it's kind of, you know, in one way I'm kind of like, yeah, it's a Halloween costume, it's not a big deal. But the other side is like, yeah, this was, again, a 20 and 21 year old. Yeah. You know, and you're dressing up as them. 
to for what? What are yeah, you doing? Like, would she think it's okay for someone to go to a Halloween party this year? One dressed up as her, and others to be dressed up as the muggers. Yeah, you, you're talking about Kim. Yeah. Yeah, it's just Courtney. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, you get what I mean. It's kind of like, oh, let's play dress up, and it's like, yeah, two young people that died which one, tragically. Which one's Courtney? Courtney's the eldest one. She's um. The Bob. Bob. Like, does she have more of a Bob haircut? The vibes are off. That one. That don't mean shit to me. <laughs> Like, they've, they're used so much in pop culture and shit. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't listened to the song. I've got no fucking interest in listening to the song. But apparently Machine Gun Kelly has a song called Sid and Nancy. And I'm going to take a wild guess. It's some type of relation to his relationship with Megan Fox. Is, is this before or after Eminem completely murdered his career? As, as far as I know, it was after. Okay. But yeah. Um, yeah. Cut the shit and stop romanticizing. A very tragic story. Yeah. So I just wanted to uh, read a few comments from people that knew them and were around them. So McLaren said, Sid didn't kill Nancy. She was the first and only love of his life. Sid was capable of a wide range of self-destructive acts, but I don't think that he could kill someone, especially his girlfriend, unless it was a botched double suicide. Johnny Rotten said, I'm sorry, God, for the day I brought Sid into the band. He felt so isolated. Poor old Sid. Because he wasn't the sharpest knife on the block. Wow. He also said, the What best- a rotten comment. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> you can have that one. <laughs> Johnny Rotten also said, The best aspect of his character, which was his humour, just vanished the day he joined the Pistols. John Wardle said, Sid was offered up as a sacrificial lamb by the people around the Sex Pistols. None of them would have gone over the top. He was their kamikaze pilot. They were all too happy to strap him in and send him off. Another quote about Sid was, Before he got deeply into drugs, he was one of the funniest guys. He had a brilliant sense of humour, goofy, sweet and very cute. And again, like, so, massive cultural impact. Yeah, You know, whether you're talking about the, the whole couple of Sid and Nancy or you're talking about the Sex Pistols, um, you know, they, they made a movie about Sid and Nancy, for Christ's sake. You know, well, there's, I'm pretty sure there's multiple, but there was um, the 1986 movie, Sid and Nancy, starring Gary Oldman. Yeah. Did you ever see it? Oh, no. no, you wouldn't have done because you <laughs> didn't really know much about Sid and Nancy. Um, their music has influenced some of the biggest names in music. So the likes of Nirvana, the Stone Roses, Oasis, Guns N' Roses, all of them, mm-hmm. they've all listed the Sex Pistols as a massive influence on them. Um, this is kind of just not massively relevant, but I thought I'd throw it in there just for your connection. Okay. The Clash. You know The Clash, yeah? No. Who? Clash. London Calling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Clash actually made their debut supporting the Sex Pistols. And they made their debut at the Black Swan. Do you know where that is? No. Pope. I, I assume so, with a name like that, yeah. No. Been to White Swan. Sonny Chef. 
Black Swan. It's probably changed names by now. More than likely it's changed names. Yeah. But yeah, how's that grab you? The Clash made their debut for the Sex Pistols in Sunny Chef. In a pub in Sheffield. How does that grab you? But yeah, that's that's the um that's the case of Sid and Nancy. It's uh it's a strange one because like I said, I think the story gets told wrong a lot of the time. Yeah. Or it gets changed to suit a certain person's narrative. But there you go. It's a sudden. It is. Again, like I said, they're they're very young. And I, I think that again gets forgotten about. Yeah. And I, I think it's just wrong how, you know, she was just looked at as a groupie, a whore, a prostitute, a druggie. Yeah. But she there was were there own. was so much more to her. She was her own person. Yeah. She was fucking copped on. And whether you liked what she did or what she said, she seemed to stick by it. Yeah. And she was who she was. Yeah. It's just again, drugs. Drugs. It, like it takes over. Yeah. And neither of them really had a chance, did they? They both had some some hardships. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the case, and that's um the end of part two. Well, we're definitely gonna need something to uh lighten the load now. Uh yeah. Okay, so I'm not gonna lighten the load for you just yet. Okay. So we're just gonna talk a little bit about the bodies of Mount Everest. Okay. So the area referred to as the death zone is reached at about 26,000 feet. Okay. That's nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, and that's where the oxygen levels become extremely low and they make the trek even more treacherous. Yeah. There's over 300 people that have died and it's said that there are approximately 200 bodies on Mount Everest. Okay. And the reason being is that it's just too dangerous to go and recover them, which it's dangerous in self to do it. How the fuck do you expect people to go up just to recover the bodies? Then they'll get frozen over, won't they? Yeah. So the bodies that are left there are considered not only a warning to future climbers, but as a sort of marker as to how far they've reached. Is that not some of the darkest shit that you've is, ever heard? Yeah. Put a flag there, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so a particularly well-known body left there is that of Green Boots. And if you're travelling from the north side, you're going to run into Green Boots. His body's laid sort of curled up in a cave area and there's oxygen bottles laid by his body. Now... It's a bit late for that, isn't it? Well, obviously his bottles he used before. Oh, I thought maybe... Then people left them as like an offering. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I've never heard it described this way, but I think because of learning this, Mount Everest, climbing Mount Everest belongs in the category of dark tourism, surely. Yeah. I mean, that's dark as fuck. Setting it as a marker. Yeah. Like, I... Obviously, I've heard of bodies, you know, haven't been left there and they're very difficult to recover. But knowing just how many there are and the fact that there's like, oh, that's green boots. Yeah. It's only green boots. (laughs) I I was shocked. Um, Looking into this, it is truly fascinating. And it's this is definitely going to be one we're going to dive into a bit deeper for a future episode. So much on it. But there you go. There's, there's just a little bit of insight to um, the more macabre side of Mount Everest. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Thank you for listening to the Mortal Musings podcast. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and hearing extra content, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash mortal musings podcast. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Mortal Musings Podcast or email us at Mortal Musings Podcast at gmail.com. Mortal Musings.